All right. Well, welcome back to the Temporal Eternal podcast. We are so blessed that you are here with us today. Once again, Temporal Eternal is all about uh, focusing on eternity, putting it at the forefront of our mind, of our decision making, um, and everything that we do, right? That if you are someone who believes in Jesus, that you believe eternity in heaven. And so that should not only affect how we look at our lives after our time on earth, but actually our decisions and what we do on a daily basis here on earth. Um, So we actually have a special guest with us today. Uh, His name is Tyler Hawksworth, and uh, Tyler is a very, very good friend of mine. I've known Tyler for, um, I mean, since 2007, Tyler, so I mean... Mm -hmm. I mean, what is that like 13 years or 14 years or I don't, I, years? I don't like counting man <clears throat> it makes me feel old <laughs> it does it does he looks he looks good though because he doesn't have like he's he's much cleaner with the with the beautiful hair and stuff like that i grew my hair out long one time but it didn't look nearly as cool as tyler oh man uh, it was super cool he got them curls i wish i, I had curly hair bro i i did have the curls early on when tyler was um teens and early 20s or whatever probably just your kind of teens he had a screamo band and i remember yeah i went to one and i'm this boston kid from like the inner city I grew up oh in yeah hip-hop. about that <laughs> and tyler where he's playing at this like dallas place and they were like a faith-based screamo band and he's playing and he's like and he's doing the screamo thing and i get so hyped so i jump up and crowd surf right yeah i remember and, that and I drop out of nowhere. He like pauses his scream, right? Like you, you saw it, right? You were on the stage. I mean, you oh, can yeah. tell it probably better. Yeah, yeah. And then I popped up, and it was just this. Like, I it was like greatest moment of my life because I was just like not like Dude. I didn't grow up on that, but it was just so cool. And Dude, you know. Masters Commission showed up like seventy deep, and I think that's yeah. the only reason we won that. That was actually a battle of the bands. Oh, was it? And yeah, yeah. We ended up winning like a thousand dollar cash prize. I didn't realize that. That's awesome. Nice. I remember that. Yeah, man. That's, that's that's cool. dope. Thank you, MCUSA. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out. You took our tuition money, but we got that. Just kidding. Just kidding. We got it. Just a joke. So Tyler is actually what's your what's your official position? You worship pastor at your at your home church? Yeah, you slash associate pastor. Slash you know associate. These, you know yeah. these Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> You know these uh, 200 to 300 member churches where everyone has like seven different job titles or yes. just responsibilities, no title or compensation for all the other things. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that. I feel that. That's uh, that's awesome. Well, we got um, we're, we're super stoked to have you, bro. And uh, you know, we we talked about a few different things uh, prior to um, you know jumping on today. And one of the things we wanted to hit on and then just, you know, even just kind of hear from you on different things that God's been teaching you, um, different things that maybe the Lord's kind of put on your heart to share. But I think the first thing uh, is a kind of popular topic that we've been hearing a lot. You know, a few weeks back, we did a, 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 a podcast about manifesting and there's a and that, you know, culturally is really big. And then. There's another topic very much in uh, mainstream Christianity, and I would say I have seen it more prevalent in, let's say, uh, millennials and Gen Z. So oh, I would yeah. say for like 30s to 20s, maybe even some teens, but especially I would actually say more millennials than Gen Z, actually. But yeah, that's just yeah. because of the time of life when it happens. But it's this it's this uh, term called deconstruction. So I'm going to read a definition I saw. <laughs> online and uh and then we can kind of talk about a little bit of what this definition is and then also 
um, what kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly of it. So yeah. de deconstruction is the heading most recently applied to the process of questioning, doubting, and ultimately rejecting aspects of Christian, Christian faith. Um, this application of deconstructionism, an approach that claims to dissemble beliefs or ideals while assuming their meanings are inherently subjective. So like, uh, mainstream Christianity would believe like the infallible word of God, like everything in, right. in Christianity is true. But when you deconstruct your faith, maybe there are certain things that you believe and you don't believe. And then I thought this last part is really good. Modern deconstruction, usually, not always, because I want to make sure like – because I do think there's some positives to the thought process. Sure. Mo modern deconstruction usually means replacing uncomfortable tenets with culturally or personally popular ideas. And so you take these, yeah. these beliefs and you go, well, um, this is the gospel, but – I believe this because I have a certain mentality towards it or because of culturally what culture thinks that this is this is true or this is how we should consider it. Then it should really change how I read the word, what I take from the word. Right. I, I don't have the stats right now, but there's a, a, a very large percentage of Christians that don't believe that the, the word of God is perfect and only believe that, hey, part of the Bible is true, or I'm only going to live from bits and pieces of it, which is, yeah. which is very, very dangerous. So love yeah. to first have you um, kind of share your initial initial thoughts on it, Tyler. Yeah, I mean, I the part about the deconstruction, I call it more of a movement. Um, I think that it's just like, I, I, it, it, I, for, first of all, I think that there's nothing wrong with taking a, a critical look at the church. I think that it is the thing that will save the church because there's plenty of things to be critical of. I mean, there's been scandal after scandal in churches, especially in the West, as long as the West has been, a, a, the Western church has been alive, you know? So, um, but I think that when we, we take our, our experiences. And I think the reason it's really prevalent in millennials is because of social media and people are like realizing, Oh, you experienced this too. Therefore this shared experience must mean something more than what it is. It must mean that there's like a systemic, another hot topic thing, a systemic issue that needs to be solved, you know? And I just think that there oftentimes not exclusively ends up being a vast amount of hubris um, placed upon our experiences over, you know, analyzing the nature of God throughout the gospel, where he repeatedly uses broken, flawed people to propel the gospel forward. I mean, look no further than King David, a man after God's own heart, murderer, adulterer. I mean, the list goes on, right? Um, sounds like maybe except aside from the murder, you know, it sounds like a lot of the things that we hear in our spiritual giants that kind of rise and fall in the West, very similar track records, yet God used this person to propel the gospel forward. And I think that while we can definitely take a look at our systems and practices to see if they're healthy or unhealthy, and I think mm -hmm. that's a good thing to do, I think taking our experiences and saying, well, my experience is real, yes, valid and your trauma is real, valid. But to say that it's more significant than the overall propagation of the gospel, because um, that essentially is the foundation for a lot of these um, foundational, like launching off points, these discussions that never end or find any kind of solution. 
um, that's that's my issue with it. It that you know, it becomes a lot more about us than it becomes about the solution which yeah. you know they say the same thing about the church it becomes a lot more about us than it is about you know god or jesus or a relationship with him so you know yeah no and i th- i think like you said <clears throat> the 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 original premise in all of its purity mm. is is pretty good right like absolutely <clears throat> you know for me i grew up in the church i was raised in the church mm-hmm. but um the my relationship with Jesus was really for a while really was never my own, right? It was because sure. of somebody else, because of my friends or because of my parents. And so me really, really wrestling with that and going like, okay, what, you know, what is this faith? Why do I believe what I believe? And those tor- sort of things is, yeah. is a step towards maturity. Now that being yeah. said, um, it, it really, it really comes down to like, what's the purpose in the heart behind it? Like, am Mm. I trying to find an excuse to get out of my beliefs because (laughs) it's too hard because I got hurt because, you know, I, I'm just frustrated or have church hurt or I've hurt by some Christian or am I trying to do this process because I am sincerely trying to explore my faith and make sure I believe what I believe. I think that's the key, right? I, th- I think that's a, a really important part of if you're going to be going through this process, like really soul searching going before I do this, why am I doing this? Because if, if I ask somebody that question and I got the answer, I already know where they're going to end up. Like you, right. you already know, like, 100%. you know, depending on where you, where you're, wherever you start, you're starting down a path that more than likely, you know, short of like literally a Saul to Paul road on Damascus, God right. getting in your face moment, you're already you've already made up your mind. Now you're just spending time building a case to justify the decision you made. It certainly feels that way when you hear a lot of these discussions. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, like there's I I get it. Like I get people I get people wrestling, right? I get, I get people. Yeah. hundred percent. But I'm just, and my goal is like, Hey, if, if it ends up where you, where you walk away from your faith, I think, I think our heart in prayer is that man did, you know, really check the reasons why, like you were saying, right? Yeah. You know, check the reasons why that, that you're even starting that journey. Yeah. I mean, you know, I just, just reminded and I, I obviously don't want to spend the whole time monologuing over here. I want to hear everyone's take because I think everyone has their own unique perspective. Um, I just remember um, I was sitting with one of uh, with a missionary pastor that I revere heavily. His name is Pastor Tim Way. He's in Uganda right now. Um, I met him out at ORU. Me and my dad go out there um, in the summertime uh, each summer to help train their mission students right before they go off. Um, on their summer missions trips. It's like a week of in the woods, low ropes, high ropes kind of training, team building exercises. And I met Pastor Tim out there and I actually went to Uganda with him in 2019. And um, and I remember asking him because he's, he's one of those like um, simple way types, you know, like he, he's heavy into homeless ministry. The guy doesn't have a lot of 
does it doesn't seem to ha uh, place a high priority on earthly possessions he's mm -hmm. you know he's not flashy he's just real you know just like uh minimalist seeming yeah. you know yeah and uh so i I, so I asked him, I was like, you know, there's a lot of things in the gospel that are kind of hard to swallow, you know, like, especially in today's society. And I just, um, I was talking to him about like, um, indigenous people groups and, you know, people that never hear the name Jesus die. And do they go to heaven? Do they go to hell? It's kind of wrestling with that kind of whole thing, you know? And, uh, while he obviously couldn't, because I don't think anyone can give like a definitive 100% answer, we can kind of dive into that and talk about the nature and the love of God and make ourselves feel better about it. But at the end of the day, he said, you know, there's a lot of things in the gospel that are pretty difficult. And that's the point. The point is saying, you know what, I'm going to choose to accept this beyond my own comfort and my own understanding and yield to the weight and the burden that exists despite, um, you know, how I feel, you know, and trust that God knows better trust that God has a plan, trust that we're all in it and a part of it yeah. and that our own understanding isn't more significant than it. And it's kind of just like this submission to the discomfort of the gospel, you know? Yeah. And I think when, I think if people can kind of get to that, it's a little bit easier to, accept the faults and the flaws within the systems that we build to propagate that even if people are profiting in ways that maybe isn't ideal or that makes you feel a little icky or you know abuse happens you know in, in all the different forms sometimes it's spiritual sometimes it's emotional sometimes it's sexual abuse you know all these things happen with because they're run by people who are all flawed you know and it's all are tragic and all are all break the heart of god um, you know, but when you can come to first accept that, like, that's unfortunately part, that's all part of yeah. why the church exists in the first place. Yeah. You know, I think it's a little bit easier to kind of navigate some of these really tough things that, that there's no clear answer on how to do it or else we would be doing it already, you know? Mm -hmm. No, for sure. Yeah. I think something interesting too, like, and I say this with the stipulation, you know, that it's not we're not just trying to make blanket statements because right. this this is not everybody's experience per se within this, but or this is not everybody's practice of church and Christianity and their faith right now. But I think you said something very important within Western culture and Western church and Christianity. Um, and what I see a lot of times with uh, friends that have walked away from faith, friends that have struggled with faith, you know, just having different discussions with people kind of on this whole idea. I think the struggle a lot of times comes. And again, this is where I'm saying this is not just trying to be a blanket statement, but yeah. within Western cu culture of church and Christianity, it's been this consumerism mentality. And yeah. so as soon as soon as my Christian faith and church and people in the church hit the limit of what I can consume. And it's kind of like what you're talking about is where like the rubber meets the road within our faith. Uh, and when things get tough um, and when we're really facing the reality of these situations where as Christians, we need to see like how scripturally, how the love of God gets integrated and walk that path with people. And yeah. that's not necessarily the model of consumerism because that right. gets into a place where you're in the trenches with people you're having to truly yeah. uh be in the midst of 
met the mess of life that people are walking through or that we walk through. And that's exactly where Jesus met people was in the midst of mm -hmm. that, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think that we have to be careful. One is, is the side of the church um, as believers, as Christians, that we never um, fall prey to just that one side mentality of like, Hey, this is all about what I can get out of God or the church. And then I start to have struggles and problems with it when that end of that consumerism ends and I, I really have to put something into this or I have to see yeah. uh, how, to, how to work through that, you know? And again, I'm not downplaying anybody's struggle or confusion or doubt with it because I think that's where we as believers need to step head on into those conversations, into those struggles that people are having and say, yes, God does have an answer for this. And if we let those things stop and church becomes surface level, I think that's where a lot of people fall prey to the idea of just deconstructionism because uh, they've hit a limit to their faith where now they've never been taught how to walk through the rest of it, the rest of yeah. life. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think that's a, that definitely is a struggle. And, you know, I know as we were prepping, you were even Tyler talking yeah. about that too, is like, where, where do we truly meet Jesus? Where do we meet uh, God in the midst of our relationship? And many times that's in, in the tough stuff, you know? So it's, yeah. it is, yeah. it's, it really depends on kind of what that foundation has been built up until that point. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. The tough stuff just seems to be always putting stress on people. Right. Mm -hmm. So they feel like they're digging they're, they're People are digging for Jesus, right? They're trying to get Jesus, but then that tough stuff is putting the stress and they don't like the stress. They don't like the, the things pushing on them. So they got to get back to a comfort zone. So they try to eliminate things to put them back in that comfort zone. Yeah. And that, that's the biggest thing is you see people like a Christian's pushing me to do this. A Christian's pushing me to do that. I feel pressured from them. I am being criticized by them. I am being uh, judged by them. But it's really just us pushing you to be in the right direction, right? So not everybody likes that pressure. So it's, they got to find their, a lot of times people find their way to get out of that pressure. Yeah. I mean, man, I could even, I could segue into so many things from that. You know, I think, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I've been, I've been in vocational ministry since 2015 and that pressure, I think the biggest pressure that I have felt has been, um, that just other people's expectations of me. Yeah. as a pastor, you know, and especially like, I don't know what, I know everyone in here has been in vocational ministry or is currently in vocational ministry, correct? Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. So, um, and I don't know what size churches you guys um, were in. We're, I'm in a, like that 250 to 400, you know, if everyone shows up at once, you got to go to two services, but they never do, so you can't kind of thing, you know? Um and that size church, you know, the staff is still relatively small. And so you are very accessible, which is part of the appeal of that size church. And, uh, and people, they just, they, they just want comfort, you know, and um, there's nothing comfortable about doing that hard work that we're talking about, you know, because that that's, that's where acceptance has to come. Right. And I'll get into that mm -hmm. here in a second. But I mean, I want to say, um, and I, I, I seriously considered stepping out of ministry at the end of 2021, November, 
to probably March 2022, I was in a really deep uh, depression with with just my occupation, just because I didn't feel like I didn't I didn't feel like I had enough to give everybody because I felt like I was being put on some odd pedestal that I wasn't constructing myself. I was going very far out of my way to not construct that that pedestal. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I think I just I. I partly realized that a lot of my expectations were projections of feeling like I was failing as a new father to daughters in my blended family, uh, just not doing the job that I wanted to do, you know, uh, feeling like I was failing in that. And I think that, um, therefore I felt like if I couldn't do a good job in my own home, how could I possibly benefit anyone outside yeah. my home kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know me and Donald have had conversations over the years that kind of like lean into that territory. So, I mean, it's definitely a tough thing in an age of consumerist Christianity, yeah. well, the age that we've gotten to, because it's been that way for so long, as you were saying, yeah. um, it's really tough, but you know, I don't know. I, I'll pass the ball back to you guys. Cause I could just monologue here, you know, no, yeah. like, queue up 15 more minutes without taking a breath. <laughs> what do you guys think? No, I, I, you know, I think the, you kind of said it right there. I mean, Matt, Matt was hinting at it too, but um, really all you guys really were is, is the word is expectation. And so the key, the key to all of this is to have an accurate expectation. And so when you don't have an accurate expectation going in, so for instance, you, you know, you meet some guy or girl and you're like, Hey girl, you looking fine, girl. Man, and my expectation is she's amazing, right? And you you have her on this pedestal. You right. have like everything is so hype. And then after yeah. the first couple of weeks, you realize, man, like like you know, figuratively, like her gas smells, right? Like there there is stuff yeah. that is coming out of that person, right? No, but seriously, like like I, you know, it's it's me being joking about about farting right now. But like literally, all of a sudden, you go, wait, I had this expectation that happens with marriage. Hey, like everything's all fine and dandy and we're all excited. And then we get married and then all of like the, the covering, all of the stuff comes off. And now I'm like, this is just who I am. Right. And you get like the worst of somebody, you know, a lot of times when you get like this unpolished version. So I think expectations is a crux Hmm. to all of this. Right. So deconstruction in itself is understandable. I, in some ways, like I, I had to do that. Uh, you know, after when oh, I went yeah. to master's, cause I grew up in the church in some ways I had to do that when I stepped out of ministry because in a different way, Tyler, like my, hmm. um, uh, my value came instead of the spirit of God, of being God's son, but actually doing the work of the Lord and being yeah. praised by his church, being, being right. able to use Absolutely. my talent. And so, so I had to deconstruct there. Right. And so with this expectation, I think that is a key part is that a lot yeah. of people don't have the best expectation. Yeah. I mean, maybe as a church, you know, mm. there's some areas where maybe we need to go like, are we, um, are we setting the right expectation? Cause I look, I just look in the gospels and I, this is, this has been my struggle for the last few years and I'm not going to, I'm not going to go after anybody, but there's, um, there's, uh, you know, some, some people that might preach and it's not just mega churches, it's just churches in general sometimes where they might preach a, a little bit of a, a aspirational or inspirational message and, and they will preach about God's love, which is part of the gospel. 
But part mm-hmm. of the gospel is also talking about carrying carrying your own cross. Part of the gospel is to to live as Christ and to die as gain. Like I, I look at yes. the disciples, and I and I look and I go like, wait a second, guys. Like I'm all, I'm all about having you know dreams and that that's its own thing. We won't even get too much into that. But I, I look I look and I go, wait, these guys were killed. Most of them were yeah. murdered. Yeah, you know, brutally. like brutally. I mean, like this wasn't this wasn't some like fun thing where they got rich or like they were exactly. able to have this, you know, successfully long life. And, and really the paradigm shift, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, and I don't, I don't, uh, line up with everything Chandler says, but Matt Chandler, I think it was him who said this was talking about the story of David and how, and I've, I've been a victim of this, but we always put us in the shoes of David and, and fighting the Goliaths and the giants of your life. You know what I'm saying? I just wanted to add a little bit of, a little bit of, but, but really the picture of the story of David is David is Jesus. And I'm the yeah, scared exactly. soldier watching the battle that, that can barely do anything. Like, like Jesus fought the battle for us, for our freedom against the enemy. And so we have, mm-hmm. we have in some ways, have supplanted really what this whole thing's about. It's about Jesus mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's about his story. And I am a cliff note. I am a sentence. I am a, a maybe a, a little piece of his story. Yeah. And with that, my expectation, if it's that should be all of it is about Jesus. It's not about me. And if that's the case, then that means it might be like you guys are saying hard. It might be difficult. Yeah. There might be persecution. I might yeah. be disappointed. My life might actually be harder as a Christian, but I believe yeah. in something that is eternal, and I believe Except, that that right. my reward is going to be in heaven. That I believe that there's stuff beyond this time here on earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And and because of the the failed expectation, maybe that someone has experienced, whether that's a person or the church at large, whatever it is. We can't mix that up with saying then God has changed. And what I mean by that is sometimes that because of a failed expectation, maybe said, hey, you should experience God like this. Mm -hmm. And I've done it for that long and I haven't seen God or heard God or felt him in this way like someone told me I should. We have to be careful that we're not because I think that's where the, the, the kind of play happens within then deconstruction. We say, well, then that's. If that's what God is, I don't want anything to do with that. Because, and that because, could be many levels. Because Christianity, right here, here it is, right here, Brennan. Because and this yeah. is this is this is where it happens. And I'm not blaming anybody, but this is just the mentality that seeps in. Because Christianity or God's love is attributed to things that it shouldn't be. His blessing, right. yeah. his Preach. provision, yep. good health, not dealing with death in my family. Wait a second. Absolutely. Wait. This is this is not what I was expecting. And because of that, whether it is taught to them or it just is the appearance of, because sometimes in church mm-hmm. we don't actually show our sin, our our transparency, yeah. our errors. It's, right. it's this picture perfect world that people go, "Well, I thought it was supposed to be picture perfect." Yeah, absolutely. It's not. It's not. No, exactly. You know, I feel like Christians a lot of times get hit a lot harder than others typically i mean sometimes it's like we're all getting put to the test like why are we getting put to the test you know so it's like people see that and they well they don't they see the happiness they see all that but like you said they get hit and they're like i don't like this this yeah. isn't for me 
It's they're 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 uncomfortable. I mean, look look at the story of Lazarus, right? Like these are close friends of Jesus. Yeah. <clears throat> Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Jesus purposely doesn't come because he could have healed Lazarus, but everybody knew him as being a healer, right? And he waited the three days because that's when back then the three days meant okay, that person's like really officially passed away. And over and over again, if you if you see that um, in, <clears throat> I want to say it's Luke eleven. Or 13, pretty sure it's Luke 11. But he basically says, hey, I'm doing this for the glory of God. I'm doing this so that you would know. Like he, he mm-hmm. showed himself as resurrection yeah. power. So that is a picture, Matt, of he, dude, homie died, right? But Jesus used him for his glory. Yeah. And so we have yeah. to realize like our role in, in this picture, you know? Yeah. Well, it, there's such an arrogance, though. And uh, I don't know about the global church, but specifically in the Western church that it's, you know, it's about us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, it's a me first. It's me first ministry. You know, um, I, I in fact, I was I was speaking with I was at a I was at a conference a number of years ago and I was speaking with a, a, a close friend um who is in charge of worship at their church this is someone who's been in ministry decades longer than me and um uh they were speaking about the song king of my heart i don't know if you guys are familiar with this song and it's got that bridge that most churches do probably 40 times too many (laughs) you are never gonna let never gonna let me down right yeah um but they didn't do it at their church she wouldn't allow it because and, and I'll never forget this. Cause I was so shocked by this. This really shocked me. Um, she's like, well, God's let me down so many times. And I was like, hmm. um, maybe your perception is letting you down because God doesn't exist to fulfill our perception of what we want. God's ex- hmm. like, we're in prayer and in, and in submission and in re- renewing our mind daily in the word of God, our, desires become his desires so therefore he can't let us down it's impossible because unless we're in rebellion or or you know kind of in vanity rebellion or vanity in our in our spirit and uh and i think that like no shade i think we all have been there you know like i definitely spent the majority of my 20s right there all of my all of my adolescence and, right. and some of it too right like and i, I preach about this a yeah. lot recently some of it is we didn't even see it at first like Correct. we didn't even have the self-awareness oblivious yeah. oblivious to yeah it. yeah and i just I, I remember hearing it spoken i was at a worship conference and the the, the preacher basically was talking about the difference between um a named expectation or just having open expectancy that God is going to show up. And the, mm. the metaphor was the children of Israel, right? Like, of course, they thought when they were getting led out of Egypt that they would go down the King's Highway. If you know anything about your biblical geography, you can look that up. But instead, God leads them to the it's the Red or Dead Sea. I always do that. I know this is so bad that I can't remember where God... The Red Sea, right? Red Sea, Red. Red Sea, Red. Thank, thank you. Thanks. Thanks. <clears throat> one one of them... <laughs> This, this big old body of water got trapped Geolog, you know, geographically, like not a good spot, tactical yeah. error here, you know? Um, and, but, but instead of having expectancy for God to do something, their expectation is what got let down. But if they had had an open heart for God to show up, they would have not been surprised that the waters parted. They would have been like, Oh, there it is. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Can you get on, you know? 
Um, and I think that too many times we, I know I'm speaking for sure about myself, name that stuff. I won't say that I name it and claim it, but like we, we identify it, you know, we, we, we pray it, we, we, we know what it, we want it to look like. And something that God spoke to me recently was, um, I remember I was in a conversation with my wife and we had been trying to get into alignment about something. And uh, finally, I, I think I, um, I relented a, a major point and we were able to get into alignment. And I was like, you know, this is all I really wanted was this, you know, which, which was the ultimate um, resolution was not what I was pining for at the beginning, but it was the outcome. And I was like, you know, this is really what I wanted. I just didn't know it. And it's like, God's like, exactly that. Hmm. You don't know what you really want, but I know what you really want. And that's what he's trying to bring us into alignment with that because that's his will for us. Yeah. He knows yeah. what's going to give us supreme peace. He knows what's going to give us fulfillment. He knows what's going to give us purpose in our life because he created us. He wired us that way. And it's not going to look the same for everybody. But when we're fighting him constantly about the way it looks and we're so worried about is it going to be comfortable or is it going to be mm -hmm. difficult? Is there going to be pain in the offering? The answer is yes. Look no further than Christ. The, and talk yeah. about the suffering servant who came to heal and love and teach and do nothing but help every single person. And those same people brutally kill you, right? Like not fair, man. But, but if we look and study the nature of God, it's not man's construct of fairness that is cared. Sure, justice, God cares about justice, but it's his brand of justice, not our brand of justice. Yeah. But what he cares about is he cares about people being in relationship and experiencing actual love, yeah. right? Um, so anyway, yeah, pass that right back to you guys. No, and I, I think... Um... You know, because I want to I want to touch on something you said before we started, because I thought it was just like <clears throat> really, really phenomenal. So I, I would say just kind of with the deconstruction sort of things, I, you know, would end that a little bit just with like, hey, I, I think it's OK to question your faith. I think it's OK to Absolutely. question why you believe what you believe. I think it's good to seek the word for yourself and and have answers to questions because, uh, you know, one day you might be asked by somebody. And if you don't have the answers for it, right, you might go. Mm -hmm. You might really be on, on shaky ground. Um, yeah. But the, the key really is to, you know, is to really seek out the, the Holy Spirit and seek out God. Mm -hmm. And and some of it, too, is kind of what Tyler was, you know, just saying and, you know, what I've talked about, right, where I, you know, was in ministry at some capacity for, you know, just about a decade, both with, with masters and then on staff at, at a church, and I had certain mentalities, you know, towards ministry, towards faith, towards my relationship with Jesus. And I really had to um, allow the Lord to uh, strip some mentalities and mindsets that were either wrong or they were incomplete. Mm -hmm. and, and to really realize, like, who I am, who God is. Um, you know, what he wants to do in my life, what he cares about. And I, I thought, you know, um, thinking about kind of the journey I've been on the last two, three years, and then something you said, I, I'd love for you um, just to kind of talk about just what you said about the gospel earlier, Tyler, before we started recording, man, about just like 
what the gospel was to you before and then what it kind of became because I thought um, I never thought about it that way, but I, I feel like I'm in the midst of it right now of, of, of how yeah. you describe that. Um, team me up again because I said so much right before we got So you're in. talking about the God, when you looked at the gospel, oh, you yeah. looked at it through the eyes of out in the world. and Yeah. Um, well, just growing up, a, a lot of it had to do with the terrible theology that I got in my Sunday school and in, and in my uh, other branches up, up until I got into youth ministry, which was my, my youth pastor was phenomenal and really, uh, saved my life in so many literal shout ways. Out, shout uh, out youth pastor. Shout out to pastor Josh Watson. Oh, I know him. Yeah. Church, shout out pastor Josh. Lead church in Pflugerville, Texas. Yep. Uh, he, that is, that is a spiritual pillar in my life. That guy, that guy is a spiritual giant to me. Um, but I, I, my, the application of the gospel to me, I would almost just say until I turned about 30 years old, that's when I kind of hit some rock bottom moments. But up until that point, you know, the lamp into my feet and the light into my path aspect, the description of the gospel very much had this um, illustration of, you know, I'm wandering through this life, you know, um, and obviously it's not going to be like my phone when I can turn the flashlight on and, and illuminate my literal feet. But I very much looked at it in that way. It's, it's how the gospel went outside of my consciousness into the world. It's how to apply these things to battles, to situations, to gain wisdom, to navigate life. And um, because, because of that very um, adolescent kind of incomplete, not full view of the, the, the way that I think the gospel was intended, that's only part of it, right? Um, I was, I got myself into so many just arrogant issues, you know, like, um, I, I got divorced at the beginning of 2020, um, which was really brutal for me because, um, you know, I can look back on that now and say like, man, my ex-wife did not get the best version of myself because I thought I was checking all the boxes. Therefore, I didn't really take a lot of inventory on myself. Um, I know that we probably both did that, you know, we were both broken people, but I was unable to see my own brokenness because I wasn't looking at myself. You know, I wasn't doing inward look. I was too busy trying to handle, you know, what was going right or wrong on the outside, you know. Um, and then when everything came crashing down, I was pretty much just left to analyze my life, you know, because I knew that I wasn't like a bad person. I knew that I'd yeah, I didn't feel like I had done anything to deserve this kind of uh, traumatic experience, but I knew that God was in it, you know, mm -hmm. um, because I knew I had not rejected him and I knew he wouldn't reject me. And in that kind of moment, I was able to all of a sudden, I was like forced to realize that the light unto my feet and the lamp into my path was for me to analyze my own subconscious, to, you know, allow my brain to heal itself from childhood trauma to present trauma through the light of the gospel. Um, because if you don't have a healthy brain, if you yeah. don't have a healthy subconscious, especially if you're propagating the gospel, I mean, first of all, how can be, how can you be the salt and then the light of the earth? If the lens in which, and the filter in which the gospel is coming through 
is so unrepaired by the gospel. I wasn't applying it to how I navigated my perception of myself or how I, my role in, and, you know, even in the ending of my marriage, you know, my role, the things that I did wrong uh, or the things that I could have done better, how I could have loved like God or how I was, you know, um, just cringy moments that I look back on with such clarity now, you know, um, and that really changed me from the inside out. And it helps me to realize that, man, I, I truly believe that the gospel was more intended for self-reflection than it was intended for outward ministry. Because I think it's through inward reflection that we're able to do that. We can be the hands and the feet of Jesus by letting it transform us first. Yeah. And I just didn't realize mm-hmm. there was this very active aspect of turning it inward. I thought that was, you know, I was, I PK grew up in the church. I guess I just always thought that just by, cause I couldn't understand how, you know, the Bible actually renewed my mind or my spirit. I just thought it yeah. was just something that, that happened, you know, but I realized now how to do that in an intentional way in a, in a submittive, in a, in a way, in a posture of submissive submission to him uh, and in allowing it to humble me, um, my my wife Nicole has been the most amazing example of that because while yes she did grow up in the church in some ways it was very non conventional and um, she went through some similar things to me in her adulthood where she went through a divorce and for so long she was a single mother of three where she wasn't able to go to church because she was working so much but what the Word of God did for her and and the private and her private apartment, you know, I, I saw so much more fruit on her tree than my life. And I'm in vocational ministry. Yeah. You're in the church and all that the time. blew my entire like perception of everything up. And I allowed, I allowed God to rebuild me from the ground up, you know, and I started experiencing a lot of the things that, you know, well, I guess what I've seen a lot of people where they're weeping at the altar and they're kind of meeting Jesus for the first time. Like I've been saved since I came out of the womb. You know, I don't remember the moment that I said the sinner's prayer or whatever. You know, I've had encounters with Jesus, but man, God has used my relationship with Nicole to and and my my daughters and my two sons. I've got five kids now. It's insane. Um, he's used that situation to completely re rework the way that I read the word, the way that I apply the word and the way that I believe that systems should be built to propagate the word. And it's very much starts with inward, deep, deep inward work first. Um, anyway, that's, that's just God, God is so good. He just never stops reaching. Even when you are so sure that you have it figured out, he just, it's like water, looking for a crack in the ground. He just never stops trying to find that, that, that spot that he can get in and whisper something to your subconscious to make you go, Oh my gosh, I was wrong. He's like, but you've, when you, when you come to that revelation, you know, it's God, when you don't feel condemnation, when you don't feel guilty, when you don't feel stupid, when you don't feel cringe, feel like, Oh man, there's nothing but love and acceptance in this moment, even though I feel like beating myself up, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I think I've, you know, kind of been in a similar season, different, but similar. And, you know, my marriage had some, 
had some challenges in it, more of my doing than anything. But um, a lot of it really uh, stems from this whole thought about, you know, you, you hear it all the time, but like it's relationship, not religion. Right. And uh, yeah. <clears throat> and really what it comes down to is our relationship with with Christ and Christianity. Justin Caney's a pastor we had on a few episodes back while episodes back, actually. But he really speaks a lot on this. But um, but it's it's really it becomes our relationship with Jesus is transactional mm. and and it it's really more about this transaction of like, oh, my relationship with you is uh, doing a certain amount of behavior, obeying some rules, uh, doing stuff for you, Jesus. And we actually don't let it be these two more powerful things where this should be the priority, which is a relational and transformational. And right, and so we have this this relationship with Christ that opens you know us up to intimacy with with no with no thing of like hey you know you don't have to do anything for me right now I just I just want relationship with you and then from that relationship there's there's transformation and out of the transformation yeah. then we can do things for Jesus but we kind of it it can happen very easily where. Um, where it gets flipped. Right. And so as you're talking, uh, you know, I really felt like, um, I was just thinking about, um, I don't know, I, this, I, this might be a very few times that I cried on the podcast. Um, so, but I was, I was thinking about the last few years and, um, for me, I did a lot of cool things for God. I, I, uh, I preached, I, I, I just did a lot of cool things. Yeah, man, and, you did. um, and it was awesome. And, and I just was thinking as you're talking and just really felt like I was thinking like, Holy spirit, like why, uh, you know, why, why did it like, why did it go like that? Right. Like why didn't we have more intimacy, more what you wanted? And I really felt like, like just now, that's why it's a little bit raw right now. The Holy spirit was just showing me like, Hey, this is, this is the only way that you allowed uh, me to spend time with you and yeah. so it wasn't it wasn't about that oh like oh this is an open vessel for me to use but it was like hey however my kid wants to hang out with me we're gonna do it and uh i care about him more than using him i care about him more than uh the people that we're reaching but if oh. this is the way that i get to get to spend time with him uh, let's do it and i know that through my process and through my journey, I'll, I'll get Donald on track, but just, I don't know. It's just the Holy spirit was just totally just wrecked me right now with that. Um, but like, don't you saying. feel in this moment that that's all you really wanted in the midst of all of that stuff is what you're feeling right now. Yeah. That's, that's, that's exactly what I was saying before. And I was like, it's not like, we don't know. We think we know what we want, but God does. And he'll put us in position for that ultimate, encounter with him you know or ultimate revelation to put us in in his will you know because because donald one thing i know about you i've always known this about you i really got to know this um over the the beautiful years that i haven't seen you in person but we've spoken on the phone and you know even even when you were in vocational ministry and you were kind of like in right in the midst of the most stressful moments right as you're getting ready to leave ministry you always you wanted your compass to point you to right here. And I, I can say that I always wanted to do the same thing, you know, and it's God sees that, that 
And so he gently will try to get us there until we kind of, we get ourselves into these, you know, ultimate situations. But because we live a life of ultimate submission, we, we end up here, you know what I mean? And for me, I, I thought that I lost everything that I ever, I, I, all I ever wanted to do was be a dad and a husband, you know, that's all I ever wanted to do. And, um, and then when, when me and Natalie divorced, I immediately lost 50% of my only son's life. I only get to see him half the time. And that was the hardest pill to swallow, you know, but as I continue to pursue God, I kind of had many moments of revelation that just like that, Donald, until I got to this point where I like, I wake up in the morning and I've, I've got a wife who understands me in a way that no one else in the world has ever understood me and loves me in a way that no one else has ever had the capacity to love me. And I'm so fulfilled. I hear God so clearly and I have five amazing kids. And my relationship with my son, Sonny, is better than it's ever been. Me and Natalie are getting along. We work well together. We co-parent well together. Um, and I couldn't have had this level of happiness if I had just kept forging on and, and fighting and fighting and fighting to keep that marriage together. You know, that would have been my might, not his will. And when we finally accept that God is in those suffering moments, he's not, I mean, he's sure he's up there with us when we're preaching the gospel on the biggest stage, doing the coolest things in his name. Like, yeah, for sure. I've experienced the anointing of the Holy Spirit as I'm leading worship. I'm sure you have when you're preaching to the biggest crowds and doing something that really felt fulfilling. But like, it's in these moments right here where it's like, man, the pain is really, really intense. And God's like, dude, this is where I've always been. Mm-hmm. This is where I've always been. I've always been right here, right where your heart is the most vulnerable. And this is where I want to bring you. This is, I I need to break you to this point so that I can build you up in my image, which is just so cliche and tropey almost, but it's so true. And there's, and you know, because like in these moments, I'm sure we've all been here, right? Where we just feel broken and undone, but it, and it's the most humbling thing to realize the fullness of like how we got ourselves in whatever situation. But for some reason, it's only feels like peace. It only feels like love. And it feels like you're supposed to be right there. There's like no other place you're supposed to be than right there. Yeah, dude. Ah, yeah. I, love no, I, I love your heart, man. Th- and I, I just want to say thank you guys for being vulnerable, both of you. And just uh, knowing knowing you guys and Tyler hearing more of your story, like, and just knowing my own story with God, like, we can truly attest to that. I think that's going to speak volumes to people listening, whether they're doubting in their faith right now about to walk away from it, or they're just struggling. I love that both. And like you said, Tyler of the gospel in our life. And it, and it's just so true and clear because, you know, like you just said, it's, it's in those moments of suffering. I think two things that God really desires for us to see is that he wants us to seek one, his presence. And then two, his will for our life, you know, mm-hmm. and many times it, it takes us getting into that spot. I know I've seen this in my life where it was like, I'm like literally yelling out loud, like, God, is this all you have for me? And he's like, turn towards me. Yeah, like, you've been focused on the wrong things. You need to look towards, towards me, you know? 
And, and I think that's such a testament of the gospel itself, which is literally the crucifixion, Jesus being murdered on a cross yeah, man. and them taunting him saying, hey, you say you're a God and you're in control. Why don't you just get off the cross right now? But he knew that suffering had to happen in order for three days later, the resurrection to happen. It, right. And so God is not asking us to do anything. He didn't go through himself on that cross, you know, through, right. through what Jesus did, you know. And so it, it really truly is. It's not like a martyr kind of mentality of like, oh, this suffering is. It, but but like you said, it's it's not all about just what we can get. There is going to be moments of suffering. But. Just like Donald said earlier with the story of Lazarus, it's like Jesus did that intentionally because God gets the glory. And so where in the midst of whatever we're all going through, have gone through, uh, are confused about or are doubting, how can we seek the presence of the Lord? How can we seek his will? Because scripture tells us time and time again, right? Like, come to me, you'll find me. Seek me, ask me. And we all kind of sometimes stop there, right? Like ask and he'll give it to you, right? But it's always, those scriptures in the Bible are always followed up by if it lines up, if it's in accordance to his will and purpose for your life. Like we skip that part. Like it has to be part of his will and purpose for our life because the beauty in that is his grace and his love and his truth and his guidance. And if we're willing to and that vulnerability over to God. I believe that those are the moments like you guys just shared and, and even right there, like that God truly, truly moves and he shows us what he desires for us. So it's mm. it's such a beautiful thing. And many times it comes in the package of really, really tough situations. Yeah, but yeah. God gets the glory at the end of it. And that that's the heart of it, you know. And uh, I think we all can attest to that. Cool. Well, uh, I just really quick wanted to say it. the yeah. reason I like looking up a moment ago is because my wife walked by and she distracted me. I wasn't rolling my eyes at what you were saying. <laughs> oh. I was in it. She's so pretty, man. She distracts me every time she comes in. I'm like, hey. For those who no judgment. For those who are listening, we uh, we also are on YouTube, so we have video. So if if you see on video, you'll see Tyler rolling his eyes at Brennan. First time and you ever met. Bro, Tyler, Facts. Tyler, my wife's name is Nicole as well, so I get it, bro. Hey man, it. what's up, dude? What's up? You know what it is. You know what it is. Uh well, cool. Well, let let's uh we're we're kind of near our time, so let's uh do you know you know any final thoughts from from anybody? I know uh you know, final thoughts from from you, Matt. I know uh uh Tyler and Brennan just talked. Anything you want to add? I'm a listener this round. Like I am soaking that in. I might go back and listen to that one again. So that's good. He's never said that before, Tyler. Just so you know. So that's uh, <laughs> good job there. Uh, first you of all, I don't believe you at all. <laughs> I've never said that. Say that to me. <laughs> all right, well, I'm serious. You know, like um, if you're watching this right now or listening or watching it, do listen to it again because I think you're going to get more. Like, there's a lot said there. I think you need to listen right to it again. On. For sure. Yeah. When uh when we were getting ready to set this off, um, you texted me the link for this video, and I realized I still haven't updated your name in my phone book, Donald. Do you know what it's? Do you know what it no. says? What is it? It says Boston. Do you remember? I used to always call yeah. you Boston Masters. I, yeah. I I forgot two years ago. I meant to update. I meant to update that to um to Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. That's good. <laughs> That's a good. That's a football yeah. joke for nobody who watches the NFL. 
I I totally accept. I am a bandwagon Tampa Bay fan because of Tom Brady. You're just a and Gronk, bro. And Gronk. Well, Gronk retired the best, unless he comes best back. Best bandwagon you could possibly. Oh heck be. yeah, heck yeah. No shame. I always said I I said this. I said that it's like you know I go Boston in this moment. It's it's like. <laughs> it's like a, it's like if I was in a family and we had a restaurant called the Italian Kitchen, which is one of my favorite Italian places in Brockton, and all of a sudden my my uncle Vinny, right, he he worked at the Italian restaurant his entire life, and the uncle my uncle Vinny said, hey, I want to go over to Worcester and I want to start a pizza joint and I want to have my own business. Are we gonna say, dude, forget you, Uncle Vinny? You're leaving. You're leaving our Italian restaurant. No, we're gonna support Uncle Vinny because he helped us with our business for so many years, and we want to support his business. When he- That's exactly how I feel about Tom Brady. Open you know, so like, guys, hundred percent. I'm like, hey, dude, I I support you, Brady. But um, cool. Any any the only other time I no, saw you cry was he when the uh, the only other time I saw you cry was when the 07 Patriots lost their first game in the, <laughs> okay. the Super Bowl. I don't want to talk about that. That was our first year in Mass. Football and the Holy Spirit. That's when he cries. So yeah, <laughs> that was a really bad. That was a really bad moment of my life. Um, but definitely in the flesh. But well, uh, yeah, we, we just want to thank everybody for listening, man. Once again, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And on YouTube, subscribe on YouTube. Leave a five star rating on Apple. Um, just just follow us. We really appreciate your support. There's some really cool initiatives that um, are going to be uh, happening soon. Uh, just some really cool stuff within uh, some creative media projects that I'll be sharing about more and more, just to further the gospel. Um, and so we have temporaleternal.com. We got some merch there. Um, any profits of that really right now are just going to go towards it completely because right now anything that goes towards it is just really out of my pocket. So really right now I can confidently say any profits from the merch is going to go to this. Um, but we love you guys. Thank you again so much, Tyler, for being on, uh, this yeah, episode. Thank you, man. Thanks and, for having me. Uh, yeah. And I hope everybody else has a, a great rest of your week and we will see y'all next week.